turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. So, how do we know that we have this spiritual intimacy with Christ? Well, John tells us how we can know this in verse 6. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. What an incredible truth. What a tremendous truth. John is telling us that if we claim to be in Christ, and then we say that we abide in Him, which means to remain in a deep, spiritually intimate relationship and fellowship with Him, then we should live, John says, as Jesus lived. See, to walk in the same manner as He walked means to emulate, to imitate the way that Jesus behaved during His earthly life and ministry. Now, obviously, our daily conduct is not going to be perfect like our Lord's was, But John isn't talking about perfection. What he is talking about is endeavoring to live our lives in such a way that we are constantly being conformed and changed into the image of Christ in terms of character. In other words, we are to reflect in our daily lives the godly character that Jesus displayed in the way that he conducted himself during his earthly life. Can you see glimpses of the character of Christ in the way you live? If you know him, it should be evident by the way you are becoming more like him. There are a lot of Christians, in name only, who are running around like they belong to Christ. There is really only one authentic kind of Christian, the kind who practices what he preaches, who lives what he says, who talks the talk and walks the walk. This is Verse by Verse, a radio ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The church is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, Clearwater, halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. You can get directions and service times at our church website, lakesidechapel.com, or call us at 727-441-1714. We would really love to have you come and visit us sometime. It's great that you have joined us for this edition of Verse by Verse. Let's listen together to today's message, Obedience is Proof of Our Intimacy with Christ. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, having said that, we once again turn our attention to this passage in 1 John, and we see that in offering true believers true assurance of their salvation, and in removing false assurance from false believers, what John does is he gives us several truths about obedience to God in terms of why obedience is so important. Last week, we saw that the first reason John gives for the importance of obedience is that, number one, obedience is the basis for the assurance of salvation. Verse 3, by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now, as we said, John starts off this section by telling us that the way we can know that we have come into a personal relationship with Christ is by examining our lives, by examining our lives to see if we are keeping God's commandments as a way of life. As I said earlier, this certainly doesn't mean perfect obedience. It doesn't mean flawlessness. If that were true, then John would be contradicting what he said in chapter 1, 
Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then in verse 9, he speaks about believers evidence true salvation because we, we do confess our sins. But what John is saying, and I want to reiterate this, is that a true Christian, while not perfect in obedience to God's word, is concerned about obedience to God's word and constantly, as a habitual way of life, endeavors to obey. Yes, there may be some bumps in the road. There are times where they're not that interested in obedience, but generally speaking, their lifestyle, their direction, they endeavor to obey. Listen to the way D. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it, and I'm, I'm quoting this because I think that Lloyd-Jones captured the true spirit of what the Apostle John is saying, and here's what Lloyd-Jones said. Keeping his commandments does not mean I just put on the wall a list of specific injunctions and do my best to keep them. Rather, it means that I am always concerned to be living the Christian life as fully as I can, that my great object is to be well-pleasing in his sight. I know what he wants me to do. I find it in the Old and New Testaments. I have, he writes, the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount that apply to me. And I have the moral, ethical teaching of the New Testament. Those are his commandments, and I have to keep them. And then he writes, And if you can say quite honestly, says John, that you are very concerned about doing that, if you can say that you are striving to do that, and that is your ambition in life, you can know that you are in him. Folks, I think that's exactly what John is saying. Keeping his commandments is a concern to keep his commandments. It is an endeavor. It is your life's ambition. It is what is most important to you. But those who do not have this concern for obedience to Scripture can't know that they know him because they don't know him. They don't know him. Look at verse 4. He says, the one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth, and I take it he means the truth of God is not in him in the sense hasn't gripped his heart. Now, as we've already noted, John was specifically addressing the Gnostic teachers who had no interest at all in submitting themselves to the authority of Scripture. But certainly this truth applies to all who claim to believe in Jesus but have no concern for obeying him. They are not saved. If that's a way of life, not just a season of life. That's a way of life they do not know him. So the first reason that John gives for obedience being important is it is the basis for the assurance of our salvation. John goes on to give a second reason why obedience is so important, and now we're looking at new ground. Not only is obedience the basis for our assurance, but obedience is also the evidence of our love for God. The evidence of our love for God. Verse 5, the beginning says this, but whoever keeps his word in him... The love of God has truly been perfected. Now, in contrast to the person who does not keep God's word, whom John calls a liar and says that the truth is not in him, he now tells us that the person who does keep his word, in that person, in that individual, the love of God has truly been perfected. Now, first of all, what does John mean by this phrase, the love of God? Well, question is, does John mean God's love for us, or does he mean our love for God? Someone who knows the 
Greek New Testament could look at this, and it could actually go either way. It is a matter of interpretation. Both ways would be accurate in Greek, depending on how you are interpreting the Greek grammar. Therefore, competent Bible scholars are divided over their interpretation of what John meant. God's love for us, our love for God. However, it seems most likely to me that this verse is speaking of our love for God, because the concept of our love for God is actually used by John throughout this letter. Yes, he sometimes speaks of God's love for us, but it is, it is more of a theme in this letter of our love for God. Plus, I think that it is more natural to conclude this based on what we'll see about our love for God being perfected. But look, for example, at chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's talking about loving God, talking about loving certain things, and, and that's kind of what John is talking about, about our love for God. In chapter 3, verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? In there, there he means how, how does our love for God really abide? Chapter 5, I think the clincher is chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. That's exactly what I take it John is talking about in chapter 2. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. I think that's the same, the same thought back here in chapter 2. And so I take it that what John means is that obedience to God's word evidences our love for him. Now, the truth is we love him because he first loved us. But I think that John is talking about if you desire to obey God's word, that evidences that you really love God. But in what sense is our love perfected? That's the second question. Well, the word perfected literally means to bring to a goal. The thought is to fulfill a mission in the sense of accomplishing its intended result. In other words, if we really love God, the result will be that we'll be obedient to him, that we'll obey him. See, God is the one who places love within our hearts. At the time of salvation, God places love within us. Why do I say that? Because Paul said that in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. He's talking about justification. He says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And the goal of that love that God pours out in our hearts that he gives us for himself is that we obey him. That's the goal. Now, this is a very important truth because it, it helps us to understand this concept of what it means, really means, to love God. I think people are very flippant about that expression. I, I love God. I've always loved God, people will say. Well, all they usually mean by this is that they have some kind of a mushy, sentimental, emotional, perhaps even mystical feeling when they think about God. They're not even necessarily thinking about the God of the Bible. When somebody says God, they say, oh, I, I love him. Well, John tells us what real love is. The proof that we love God 
is we do what he tells us to do. That's the proof. And John, you know where John learned this? He learned this from Jesus himself because this is precisely how Jesus defined love for God. If you look at John chapter 14, you know exactly what I mean. And and John, the apostle John, was there. He heard the Lord say this. And the Lord, many years later, the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this down. John chapter 14 Verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. Chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, here's the bottom line. If you love God as the Bible defines love for him, that you are concerned about obeying him, and your life is characterized by striving to do his will as revealed in his word, then you can rest assured that you are a true Christian. And the reason you can be so certain of this is because love for God, evidenced by seeking to do His will, proves that you have a changed heart, that you've been regenerated. Because in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, I'll sum it up, Paul says, in essence, that those who don't know God are at enmity with Him. They are hostile towards Him. They hate Him. The fact that you love God and want to obey Him proves that you have a new nature. The old man, the old self in Adam resisted obedience. The new man in Christ has a heart that God has given him to obey the word of God. This is the proof of the supernatural working of regeneration. You have a divine nature. And that new nature loves and longs to obey and please God. Now, so far, John has given us two reasons why obedience is so important. Number one, it is the basis of our assurance of our salvation. Number two, it is the evidence of loving God. John now closes this section by giving us the third reason why obedience is so important. He tells us that obedience is the proof of spiritual intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I take it that the end of verse 5 better fits going with verse 6. Here's what he says. By this, we know that we are in him. Now, with these words, John simply restates what he's already stated in verse 3 about being assured of our salvation. However, notice that in verse 3, he used the concept of knowing the Lord. Look at verse 3 again. By this we know that we have come to know him. Here, though, in verse 5, he uses the concept not of knowing the Lord, but of being in the Lord. Now, that the phrase in him is used throughout the New Testament, mostly by the Apostle Paul. And essentially, it speaks of having a spiritually intimate union with Jesus Christ. Abiding in Him. Being in Him. Knowing Him in a united way. So, how do we know that we have this spiritual intimacy with Christ? Well, John tells us how we can know this in verse 6. The one who says... He abides in him, ought himself 
to walk in the same manner as he walked. What an incredible truth. What a tremendous truth. John is telling us that if we claim to be in Christ, and then we say that we abide in him, which means to remain in a deep, spiritually intimate relationship and fellowship with him, then we should live, John says, as Jesus lived. See, to walk in the same manner as he walked means to emulate, to imitate the way that Jesus behaved during his earthly life and ministry. Now, obviously, our daily conduct is not going to be perfect like our Lord's was, but John isn't talking about perfection. What he is talking about is endeavoring to live our lives in such a way that we are constantly being conformed and changed into the image of Christ in terms of character. In other words, we are to reflect in our daily lives the godly character that Jesus displayed in the way that he conducted himself during his earthly life. So let's think about that for just a few minutes. How did Jesus walk on earth? Here are just a few of his character qualities, just a few. He was humble. He was a servant to others. He certainly was compassionate, caring about others, sacrificial in his love. He gave constantly, passionate for evangelism. He said he'd he'd rather share the truth of God than even have food. Prayerful and trustful towards the Father. Christ's life was characterized by dependency upon the Father. He was certainly patient. He was kind, thoughtful, even with people who were not kind and thoughtful to him. He was dependent upon the Word of God and striving against sin and temptation, though he had no sin. And we could go on and on and on with the way Jesus behaved. He certainly trusted God when he was persecuted. He didn't defend himself. And as I said, we can just go on and on. But I think that's enough. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged by these character qualities of Christ because you see how much you're lacking. The question isn't whether you are perfectly like him, and that's not what John is saying, but rather do you have a desire within you to be like him? That's the issue. And are you progressively becoming more like him? Perhaps Paul's words to the Corinthians will will help put some things in perspective. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. I think this is precisely what John is talking about. And a verse that I, I have found so helpful in my own life on this issue of assurance. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. The Corinthians were a difficult church for the Apostle Paul. And I, I think apart from Galatians, 2 Corinthians is his toughest letter. It's a church that broke his heart, a church that accused him of lying, a church that accused him of actually stealing, a church that accused him of not even being a man of God, a church that accused him of not being an apostle, a church that went on and on accusing him. And yet Paul was so gracious, so loving, so patient in dealing with with them. But finally, he comes to chapter 13, and almost the end of the book, he says to them, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. That's verse 5. 
Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you failed the test? Now, what is Paul saying? Paul asked the Corinthians to put themselves to a test, to test themselves to see if they were in the faith. In other words, he told them they were to examine themselves to see, here's the test, to see if Christ was in them. And how would they know if Christ was in them? They would see some reflection of Jesus Christ in their life. They would see Christ's image reflected in them, even if if dim it would be reflected, in the sense that there would be evidence of his character qualities in them. Yes, not, not perfect, let's say not perfect patience, but growing in that area. Not perfect kindness, but growing in that area and desirous to grow. Certainly not perfect humility, but addressing pride in one's life and asking the Lord to make us more humble. Certainly not being a perfect servant, but, but seeing improvement. Certainly not having a prayer life that we're satisfied with, but seeing that we do depend upon Him, upon the Lord more and more and more. So, I, I say to you what Paul said to the Corinthians, if you see a reflection of Christ in you, although be it a dim reflection, then you are abiding in Him. You are abiding. If you're not sure about that, and we're the worst ones to check out our own lives often, ask the person who knows you best. Do you see growth in my life? Do you see Christ in my life? If the answer is yes, and you can know it also in your own life, you can be sure of your salvation. That's what John is saying. See, everything that we've studied in these verses essentially is saying the same thing. Obedience to God's Word proves that you know Christ, that you love Christ, and that you are abiding in Christ. Christ. John often does this. He says the same things in many different ways. So if your heart's desire is to obey the Word of God, then you have John's inspired Word for it. You are a Christian. If you don't care about obeying the Word, it means nothing to you, then I say, come to Christ today for salvation. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for this part of the Word of God. Thank you for leading John to be so forthright, to pull no punches, Lord. Thank you for the assurance that can be ours in Christ. Thank you that you even care about giving us assurance. Thank you that we don't have to wait until we die to know that we've come to know you. I pray for any who have been struggling in this issue In this area, I pray that these studies will have helped immensely and that they would just rest in Christ himself and what his word has to say. And I pray, Father, for those who hear this and and think that there's really not an interest that they have in the word of God. I pray that you would indeed convict them of their sin, draw them to yourself, and may they come to know you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can people see Christ in your life? There are times when the image is not so clear, but there must be some times when Christ comes shining through. Otherwise, how can you say that He is in your life? It's all tied together. 
A relationship produces love for God, and love for God produces obedience, and obedience produces assurance. I hope you really know that you know God, and that your life demonstrates it every day. That is my desire for my own life. Verse by Verse is a ministry whose goal is to give out the clear teaching of the truth of God's Word. I hope this broadcast has helped you to understand more clearly what God wants you to know and what He wants you to do. If you have a need or a question, please call us at 727-239-0306. We're here for you. You can also go on our website to find valuable resources that will help you and encourage you. The address of that website is versebyverseradio.org. You can sign up for our quarterly newsletter and download any of the messages that you find there for free. You can also give financially in order to keep this ministry on the air. We are thankful for all our partners and listeners. And please, don't forget to pray for this ministry every day. Thanks for joining us today. It's been such a blessing having you with us. You'll want to listen again next time for another message from God's Word. For all the team here at Verse by Verse Radio, this is Jerry Pruden thanking you for listening. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on Verse by Verse.